Hey there, y'all. Welcome back to Where the Dogwood Blooms. Today, Nicole Hall, National Mrs. U.S. Agriculture, is joining me to discuss North Carolina agriculture and what we can do to support local farmers. Nicole is a North Carolina native with roots in Robinson County. Not only is she a beauty queen, but she's a real estate agent and a chicken farmer too. Nicole knows a lot about North Carolina agriculture and farms, so y'all pull up a chair and sit a spell while we talk about it. Okay, I think I figured this out. <laughs> hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm good. I had to get them dogs outside because they don't know how to act. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I had to put my Doberman into bed because he doesn't know how to act either. <laughs> um, and we're dog sitting for this Great Dane mix, and this dog is huge. And so they're just tearing up everything in sight, knocking everything off tables. It's been hectic, I swear. <laughs> Well, that's sweet of you to watch somebody else's dog. I can't do that because my dog will try to eat the other dog. <laughs> so it, it's hit or miss. We had one a little while back, and it was a pit bull, and he just was not having our mail whatsoever. So we just we couldn't do it. Oh, that's sad. Well, how are you? I'm good. I was so nervous. My heart rate's been high. I had to take some medicine before. I was nervous. I had an interview with um, Farm Bureau the other day, and I was like, I'm going to tell you now, I'm not very good on camera. I'm very awkward. That's why I do the real. <laughs> edit out. Well, how did it go? It was good. I think it's going to turn out good. Um, they said it should drop sometime in January, and they don't know yet. But we will see. It was very exciting. It was like the most celebrity thing i think i've ever done <laughs> that's awesome well don't be nervous i'm i'm like a micro influencer compared to you i'm tiny <laughs> i just blew up it's crazy last year i was like at eight thousand some followers top and i started just posting more and i was always scared to post like videos in general well they started taking off it's a i talked to mitch and i was like i don't know i think i gotta keep posting these videos and he's like, yeah, I think you should. And the more I posted, the more people kept coming. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of an a influencer now. And it really hit us till we went to the state fair. And a state trooper recognized me. And I was like, oh, so this is real now. We're like, once you get recognized in public, I guess this is it. <laughs> yep, there you go. I And you know what? It's so funny because I don't have a large following on Twitter. I have like a small following, but they're very loyal and they, they share a lot and they talk a lot. They're very interactive. And now all of a sudden it's like people will just DM me regularly and they're like, hey, put this on your show or hey, yeah, can you say like then. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it started with us. They're like, hey, po or talk about this or, or they'll send in questions. I'm like, okay, I guess I can answer that. But I love the idea of a podcast. That's why I was so nervous. So I listen to a lot of them when I'm getting ready. So it's just like, oh, wow, I'm getting invited to a podcast. Like, ooh, this is fun. It is. It's so much fun. Doing this is so much fun. And what's funny is, is I'm really shy and nervous person. So podcast was never on my radar. Like vlogging is what I've done for years. And then one day I was just like, you know what? <laughs> just do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's going good. Like, I had a, a North Carolina senator um, reach out to me and was like, hey, I just listened to your podcast. I would love to come on. And I was like, really? Me? Like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> now, I feel like podcasts are really taking off because it's just something you can have playing in the background and clean. Like, it doesn't tether you to watching something. 
Oh, yeah. And mine does really good because I'm really niche. Like, all I talk about is stuff in North Carolina. You know that's I mean? my kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> right. Which is how I found you. I found you on uh, Instagram. And I was right. looking up different North Carolina stuff. And I ran across you. And, okay, so I have to bring up this controversial thing, right? Like, I ran into one of your things. And you were talking about people saying that you don't sound like you're from North Carolina. And I was like, what? You so I just started in North Carolina. Well, here's the thing. Me and my husband, we talked about it. So there's been a takeover of North Carolina. And I love the people moving here because I'm also in real estate. However, it's almost erasing everything that is what I call, and I've always, I always put it in my post, authentic NC. Because the North Carolina that I was raised on is not the North Carolina that people see in TV shows. Um, you think of things like the Outer Banks, like, oh, let me just go take a ferry to Chapel Hill. Well, you're just not. That's <laughs> not going right. to happen. And then even the, the characters they cast are not authentically North Carolina. So then when you have this subsect, and I know that my accent and how I talk is very Robco. So it's with this one county, for the people that are listening that don't know, it's one county and it has a very distinct dialect due to the Native American tribe that's there. And so... If you're truly from North Carolina or you've been around enough, you'll know it. You'll understand it when you hear it. However, people who haven't been exposed to these more rural areas in North Carolina where they only think of Wilmington, Charlotte, uh, Durham, all these places, they don't understand that these subsect of groups exist. So I kind of started exposing what I consider what North Carolina is about because I grew up on like sugar cane gnawing on it in the summertime like your thumbs going sore from shelling peas and yeah just when you're done with one bushel my mom would go buy another one and so like I grew up that country like barefoot back road lifestyle and I was almost shocked by those comments I'm like what do y'all mean because I I know I've not been living like in a simulation (laughs) so like no I mean and Honestly, like that was my experience because I spent my early years in Canton, North Carolina. So that's in the mountains. And, you know, when I moved to Wilmington, I was about eight or nine. And it was like this huge culture shock. People teased me for the way I spoke. Like I had this real thick, beautiful Appalachian accent mm-hmm. that's gone now. Now I sound like a Wilmingtonian. Yeah. <laughs> and it blends in. Right. But I mean, a lot of our relatives, we lived in Wilmington and we had relatives in Pender County and uh, Columbus County and Brunswick County and everybody else that didn't live in the city. You sound exactly like they did. And the thing is, I also attribute it to me having older parents because I noticed that some of my comments will say like, this is how the older folks will say, well, my daddy's darn near 70 years old. And so they had me in their late 40s and I was super sheltered. My mom was like very helicopter mom she didn't trust a lot of people so if i wasn't at church with other older people i won't go in over to people's houses I, I didn't travel a lot so i've been isolated almost in a sense to north carolina i just started traveling within the past five years i flew for the first time two years ago and so it's like i'm very green when it, it does come to anything outside of north carolina and so it's kind of been like a mix of staying true to who i am but also kind of, I'm also getting exposure and getting introduced to new things through this process. Yeah, man, don't lose it. I, I, if I could go back in time and I could hug little girl me and be like, don't listen to them. The way you sound is beautiful. Don't listen. I, I would. 
You know what I mean? I wish that yeah. sounded like Even in pageants. Um, I had like a, a coach who's since not my coach. Um, but she recommended that we work on my accent. She actually recommended to my mama that I do speech therapy because she said a little Southern is cute. Too much is hillbilly. She won't ever go far in pageants with that accent. And that kind of was discouraging because at a certain point, I always felt like I need that maybe I do need to change. But it's actually what always stood out in the judges interviews is like I'm, I'm the farming queen. Everyone knows it. And so I actually have now used it to my advantage. This is who I am. And I feel like if I have to pretend to be someone else to garner your attention, it's not going to be able to be authentic. You know, if I'm meeting you out in public, you're going to get this version of me. So might as well give you that all the time. Right. I love it. And that's how it should be. I don't, I feel like we keep trying to don to tone down our, our southernness. And I don't feel like that benefits anybody in our state. I feel like that makes it worse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's a part of our culture that we should be trying to hold on to. Yeah, those, those values. We're an ag-based state, too. And so the fact that people are acting like they don't understand where it comes from is like, you go outside of the cities you're used to, and all you see is farmland, chicken houses, like tractors. You, you see that. So that's like everyday life. So how did you get into beauty pageants? Honestly, it was a whim. My mama was very big into like FFA and like 4-H. And so the county fair has always been like the biggest thing to do. And it wasn't from Lumberton. So we don't have a lot of events that happen regularly. But the fair is like that one event where everybody comes out. And so they used to have the the Robson County um, fair pageant. And my mama entered me in a JCPenney dress. I had the most god-awful Shirley Temple curls. Didn't even play. But it, it bit me with a pageant book because I was like, oh, I like this. And so it kind of spiraled out of control. I stopped for a little bit. But then I'd say a couple years later, that's, that's when I really got heavy into it. And I have not stopped competing since then, honestly. I've competed in a pageant every year since. I'm going close to two decades now of just pageantry but I love the community service aspects of it I've been able to do so much just because of having the microphone that becomes the crown and so I'm able to travel do parades and festivals and it's just been a whirlwind I don't think I'll ever stop that's awesome I love that so I've I had a lot of friends when I was growing up who were really into the pageant scene and so I started doing pageants Mm-hmm. And I very quickly discovered that it is a lot of work and it requires a lot of grace. And I'm a very sore loser, so it doesn't last very long. But I'm always blown away by, like, you women who can get up there and do this. And I have a hard time public speaking, like, trying to speak in front of a large crowd that is just not happening yeah. for me. And so, like, I always think it's great. And I kind of hate, like... There for a little while, there was like a lot of blowback against pageants. And I was like, man, I know so many girls locally who got scholarships and awarded money and all these different kinds of experiences just from doing pageants. It's the toddlers and tiaras, in my opinion. Um, Because when I tell people I do pageants, that's the first thing they think of. And I mean, they don't realize that it's reality TV. So it's not actually what pageantry looks like they don't show the community service projects they don't show the girls doing you know their interviews and the work that they put into it it's a lot more than just 
going on the stage and being pretty, but the parts, the hard work parts aren't really televised. And I feel like that show really left a nasty taste in people's mouths because it did appear like moms living through their kids. And I'm not a supporter of that either. So I think that there's a, a line, like I've talked about one day when I do have a kid, if I would put her in pageants. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I'd put her in one just so we could have a bonding experience. Like this is something your mama likes to do. Um, and if she doesn't like it, I, I'm not, I'm not going to force it on her. You know, it's not for you. That's fine. Um, so I can definitely see the good and the bad, but I feel like it's no different than travel ball, you know, and those moms are crazy too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever talks about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, those kids are at practice till eight, nine sometimes. And then go, I mean, the same thing with pageants. There's coaches, there's practice. If you, if you want to win. And the other thing that I try to get people to understand and I try to advertise is I live like a kind of a sustainable life. So I'm not completely zero waste, but I reduce, I live a reduced waste lifestyle. And so the costs associated with pageants are sometimes ridiculous, but every time I've competed, it's been in a secondhand dress. I do not believe in spending thousands of dollars on a dress that I'm only going to wear on a stage once. So my national gown was $150 on Poshmark and I sure did. I wear the mess out of that gown. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah I, I believe my dresses were fairly expensive. I would have yeah. to ask my mama, but I think they were pretty expensive. And I love a good designer dress, but I'm going to get it after you've worn it on stage a couple of times and that newness is worth So there you go. So you do a lot of work to bring awareness and attention to the North Carolina agricultural community. And that's really kind of what drew me in. Like I grew up, um, like I said, on my Papa Cochran's Black Angus cattle farm. And so it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Like it's something farming has been in my family for generations and generations. So can you tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing right now to help? So I'm a goal for my reign because I give up my crown in July. And so when I got crowned, I said I want to visit at least 100 farms before I give up my crown. So I'm well on my way. Things are going to pick back up in 2024 when things warm up again. But I want to do that because I want to be kind of the vessel. Oftentimes you'll see people, uh, they're becoming more aware of what they're eating. And so they, they ask questions like, where can I source this locally? Or they'll be saying things like, um, is this organic, non-GMO? They have these questions when they're at the grocery store. And for some of the things, it's just a lot of misconceptions. And I think that's the thing that I'm the biggest part of is I'm the educator. So I, I want to go out and really debunk myths and some of the, I guess, negativity that's been clouded over ag lately because they haven't really been clapping back. And I don't feel that farmers get enough respect. I mean, even on Christmas, I was working and I, it was funny because I always tell my family like, oh, the chickens don't know it's Christmas. Well, yeah, these farmers, they're getting up every day, every holiday, rain or shine. The animals still got to get taken care of for no thank yous, really. They don't get appreciated. Let the chicken prices go up in the stores and everyone's raising sand. But then they don't want the animals to be mistreated and they don't understand certain practices that we have in play for the safety of the animals. And so kind of wanting to step in there and be that person to say, well, this is why we do this and here's why. And it kind of break it down and explain it was my main goal, but also telling people how they can purchase 
from local farms and bypass all that. If you don't want to support commercial farming, then here's other options for you. Here's how to find farms in your area and pretty much put economic opportunity back in these mom and pop farms to help them last another generation. I mean, it coming across farms that are more than even three generations is hard to come by nowadays. Yeah, my papa Cochran, after he passed away, his farm was split up between his children. My grandparents kept some cattle for a little while, and now it's gone. You know? mm-hmm. And that ended generations of farming right there when that ended. Yeah, you get the kids that take no interest. Like, I'll be honest, I, I come from a strong farming family. My dad, uh, his dad started off as sharecropping, and then they were able to purchase some of their own land, and they did tobacco, or as he would call it, tobacco farming. And um, they broke mules. Now, I'm the only one of his kids, and I'm the baby of nine, that still has any type of tie to agriculture. And that's no fault of my siblings. I'm sure they, they wanted, you know, bigger and better. And, and you know, they but they were more drawn to the city aspect. But I feel like it was worth preserving. Um, maybe I'm a little bit of a prepper. But, I mean, I just remember my fondest memories are just, you know, my mom would can things that she grew we were we we're always living off of the land, and when I think about the food, just tasted better. It it was a good bonding experience to you know go through with it, and I I like having those tools, those resources, because now you know that people complain, like I say, about the chicken prices, but buying a pack of cutlets costs more than buying a whole chicken. But they buy the cutlets because they don't know even how to to cut up a whole chicken, how to process it down and break it down to different parts. And so you could buy a whole chicken right now at the grocery store for about, you know, $10, but they'll still buy that pack of chicken that's more, and it's just a part because they don't know how, they don't have the know-how. And so kind of wanting to do that education and show people, like, not only just about ag, but what to do once you have the product and how to make it last for your family, how to make meals out of it, and kind of getting away from just fast food, ready-made convenience, because that's what we're losing the skills at, at the cost of convenience. Oh, yeah. my I have a, I call it my depression pantry, because when I go into my kitchen, I want to be able to make whatever I want, and I want all the tools to be there. Mm-hmm. So I have all the raw ingredients, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to go to McDonald's or to go buy pre-made food. I can just go in there and roll out some biscuits or make whatever. There's already the noodles in there, anything you need, sugar, whatever it is, it's already yeah. in the kitchen. And people are losing touch with that 100%. And, you know, the I think that the only reason that I am the way that I am is because my grandparents helped raise me. And so I, just like you, you know, I used to go on the back porch and string green beans with Mama. And, you know, I would go out and, you know, help my papa with the, the cows. And you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I, it's like, it's once that's in you, it's hard to, to switch over. I feel like there's peace also in the doing. And I think that, you know, we have a lot of mental health problems, but I always tell people it maybe sounds a little crazy, but I have the most calm with a bunch of chickens squawking around me. And so it's like you're doing a monotonous task that you're doing every day. You know, it just becomes peaceful. My thoughts zone out and it's like everything becomes clear. I can map out my day. I think of content ideas, like all my best ideas come from when I'm actually in chaos of work. Surrounded in like the most gross stuff, like chicken crap everywhere, just like a mess. But it's like calm. It's like that steel in the, in the eye of the storm. 
And so for me, it's also like therapy in a way. Oh, yeah. I feel like if people would plant a garden in their backyard, they would feel a whole lot better. Even when things go wrong, it's just the patience. Like I had my tomatoes this year were terrible. Uh, They started (laughs) doing good for a little bit. And then I don't know what happened. They just they lost me. But it was the the trial and error of trying to figure out even that it still teaches you patience it's peace it's like life lessons and I'm a religious person and I I I have this saying I say and I was like God has always been the farm uh the farmer's friend because when he made us he put us in the garden he tells us to have faith the size of a mustard seed and he compares himself to a shepherd if that don't sound like a friend to a farmer to me then I don't know what else does right I grew bell peppers for the first time this year and I got so upset because they were doing so well and then out of nowhere they just that was it. It's like everyone where that go? Not, but those gnats start popping up and you're like, well, what? <laughs> Leave my plant alone. I will try again next year though. It will happen. And if it's not just natural causes, it's the dogs. My dogs have tore up. So we have this um blackberry bush and we had a good year with it and i you have to trim it back because it won't grow fruit as good on the same you have to prune it and so i gave my husband credit because i thought he had done it but i didn't know that the dogs were pulling off branches and so at first at first it was good and i was like oh yeah thanks honey for doing that he's like i didn't do it but thanks anyway you're like you're welcome but then there was no bush left and i'm like what happened to the bush and you're like blame their dogs and i I shouldn't have named him, but I named him Timber. And so it was almost like a curse because he loves wood. Like anything with wood on it, he thinks is his. So I, he ruined it. It's not going to come back at this point. We, I'm going to have to put a fence up in our backyard because we're going to put in a big garden this year. And my dog digs. Axel digs all the time. He, I, I don't know if it's because the squirrels are digging and burying stuff back there, but he will dig big old holes. So I know. I have to put a fence in or I'm not. You thought you planted something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I could have sworn I put my turnips over here. I can't have it on there because I have a digger on my hands too. Like, God, these dogs drive me crazy. But I'm so happy for them. One of them, so our, our newest addition, Belle, she was actually given to me by a follower who just messaged me. It's like, you ha- look like you're always on the farm. Like she has plenty of room to run. Like, would you come meet me? And at first I was like, this is probably not safe. But then I was like, but she sent pictures and I was like, oh, my heart. So not advertising this. No one else. We're not taking no more dogs. <laughs> but we did go meet her um, in Bowie's Creek to go pick up mail. And she's just been wonderful. Almost better than Timber. But they are like bonded now. The two of them. She's like a Malinois mix thing. Aww. I love good farm dogs. I I love big scary dogs. I don't want know what it is. Like my dog Axel, he is just so he doesn't like anyone else except for the people who live in this house. And so yeah. it's it's funny to be able to cuddle up to this dog who would be snarling at anybody else. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're accepted, your bodyguard. Right. <laughs> so tell me about your chicken farm. Chickens were was new for me. So my main ag background is actually in alpacas. When I was in college, I, I lived full-time and was pretty much head farmhand for 22 alpacas. We actually did a thing with my Uncle Kevin. Uh, we called it Princess Packas, and I would come out in a crown and sash, and we did grand openings and on a bedroll. 
and a naturally a leash and we would walk through and I nibbles walk better on a leash than most people's dogs uh, she, she would heal it, it was great and so it was actually Mitch who got me into chickens because when he got out of the military um, he went to Iowa State in animal science big ag school so he kind of drifted towards the ag field and he would go to work by himself with the chickens and um, one day he asked, like, hey, why don't you come help me out? And I had no interest in going to that chicken farm and helping out. But somehow he convinced me to. And honestly, we worked so well together. And I don't know, it, we kind of just, I took to it. I've learned. I, I think that's the biggest thing is I'm a learner. And so you would not know how much actually goes into chickens. Like, it just seems like they're, they're like a, a throwaway animal that most people don't ever think about. But there's so much science that goes into keeping a bunch of chickens alive and what temperatures they like and what will stop them from eating. And especially when you're trying to grow them for market. So there's all these tips and tricks. And it's even funnier when you get a bunch of chicken farmers together and they trade like trade secrets. Like I do this and I will I do this. And it's just hilarious how much actually goes into it. And honestly, I don't think I'd ever change it at this point because we've been talking about, you know, right now we work and manage for another farm, but we would like to eventually have a final farm, which I would like to be like a whole experience with an Airbnb where people can stay and actually learn hands on without making a, a jump, you know, a big commitment to buying a farm and just seeing if they like it with our own chicken houses, goats, the whole nine yards, just so they can get more experience at a low risk kind of thing. And that's the end goal. But finding the final destination, because once I find the farm, I don't want to keep moving. Yeah. So we're looking to do that possibly within the next two to three years. And I think then we'll be pretty happy. Oh, please let me come visit. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love that. I really want it to be aesthetic, you know, like I follow ballerina farm and, you know, I love like the whole like rustic vibes. And so I, ideally that would be the goal. I told you I have a lot of farming roots. Well, my mama and papa lived very briefly in Wilmington. And when they lived in Wilmington, they lived on the egg farm in Mon Monkey Junction. Yeah. And so when I was really little, like that's where I went home to and they kept chickens. And to this day, I'll eat eggs now, but I didn't eat eggs for 18 years of my life because I watched the chicks be hatched. You know what I mean? And yeah. now I know that they're not fertilized, but I still have to have my eggs scrambled. I cannot. Sorry. She's like, I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, and see, I'm the opposite. <laughs> I was a weird kid. I loved pickled eggs. I love vinegary, anything. And so I would eat those pickled eggs and all that artificial food coloring probably won't good for me, but I will still kill a jar of pickled eggs. I'm that way about pickled sausage. I mean, yeah. I am that, that's my good luck food. I kid you not. Before pageant, I had two pickled sausages and a pecan swirl. Oh, you are so North Carolinian. <laughs> that is like one of my favorite good I actually, that and boiled peanuts. I don't know if you like boiled peanuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is a comfort food. I I will stop for anyone that has signs that says boiled peanuts on the side of the road. If you're going to kidnap me, that is the way to get me in your van. Just put boiled peanuts on the side. I'm going. That is hilarious. I, so I, I feel bad because I just brought this up in like the last podcast. But I went to Michigan last Thanksgiving. And so I'm good all the way until we get like almost out of Ohio. And I get out of the car and I go to the bathroom 
everyone talks funny. There was no boiled peanuts in the gas station. <laughs> and I was like, I got back in the car and I felt like pale and shaky. And my sister was like, are you okay? And I was like, we need to hurry up and get this over with and get me back home. <laughs> oh, God. I would cry, too. <laughs> I actually had something similar happen because Mitch had never had boiled peanuts. So, like, he's a different type of country because he's from, like, the southern Illinois area. And so, he, I, when I told him to go get me some, you know, we were stopping to guess. He's like, go get you some what? And so, I was like, okay, we're clearly having a disconnect here. A boiled peanut. Even today, I mean, just the way we talk different. So, I said the word steal, right? Like, mm-hmm. steal. And, because I'm trying to enunciate better. And I was talking about the metal. He yeah. thought that I was saying, like, be steal. And I said, honey, they're the same word. And he's like, no, they're not. And I'm like, I swear to you, they're the same word. Steal, steal. It's the same word. But apparently, you have to put emphasis on the E's. And that's something that I did not know. So it's steel. <laughs> that's great. And I grew up half of my life in Western North Carolina and the other half in Wilmington. And so when people in Wilmington say steel, it's steel. And that could be a moonshine steel. It could be the metal. Yeah. It could you be got to see how it's written. <laughs> right. And so I went home to the mountain. This was several years ago. And I was talking to somebody at one of the the state parks, and I was asking if there was any moonshine steals, like, still in the woods anywhere. And he looked at me and he said, girl, where are you from? And I was like, here. <laughs> like, don't, don't take away my hair. <laughs> so I definitely got one. I was like, I don't see it different, but okay. Oh, that's funny. I would love to own a chicken farm. I've been begging my husband forever Please get me some chickens and put them in the backyard. Please get me some chickens. I love backyard chickens, to be honest with you. We can't have any because of the commercial side. So, because we grow it for, for Sanderson. Mm-hmm. However, if I could have some backyard chickens, they're, they're built different. Broiler chickens are just... <laughs> I don't know how God created these chickens. Because their survival skills are none. My main job is flipping chickens because if they on their back they don't have the the common sense to flip over so sometimes they'll lay there for forever until they just they just pass away so we have to catch them and flip them before they just lay there and for the end to come or they'll think they're stuck and they're not stuck like just go around smart just just back up and go around but they will they'll be we call it, it sounds like they're saying hell, but it's, and so we'll have to back them out and turn them around the feeder. They're not stuck. Oh, poor babies. I grew up around backyard chickens. We had, uh, my grandparents always had chicken. They're, my papa Cochran had this rooster and my papi, my daddy called him Old Red. Oh. And this rooster would not die. <laughs> That's why he was old. Oh yeah, I was like probably I was like seven when my papa Cochran died. This rooster was still hanging out and roosting. Yeah, when I was in high school, like this rooster was like. <laughs> the first time I went home and old red was gone, I cried like a baby because he's already attached. At this point, he's a pet. <laughs> gone. But we had bannies and uh, guineas. Like, we had a bunch of different types of... I would never have a guinea. Oh, the sound of them alone. I couldn't take it.
They make excellent guard dogs. <laughs> oh, God. We went and had some deer process. It hit, we hit a deer. And uh, we we're like, we're not going to let it go to waste. So we took it, it processed, and the guy, he has guineas, so when people pull up, he knows that they're at the shop. And, oh, my God, they're obnoxious. But they alert him. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're good they security system. Better <laughs> than ring doorbells could ever be. <laughs> That's great. See, and I miss that. When I was in the mountains, there was a lot of things like that around me where you could take your deer to have them processed, or, or there were tons of little local farms where you could trade and and buy things locally and now i'm in Fayetteville, and i don't know where to do that at yeah that was a little bit harder we had the alpaca farm up there but we dissolved it uh god and then vernon moved i knew some farmers out that way but everyone stopped farming that's the sad thing is people either don't have enough kids to take over or it just dies out that's so sad. We go, we do go to, is it Gillis Hill? Yeah. Yeah. We go there and do strawberries and, and different things. Um, but yeah, it's nothing like back in Western North Carolina that I've Do you have the, um, visit NC Farms app? That's what I use to find farms for my visits. Um, it has location thing on it. And so you can find farms near you that have like produce stands. And I swear by it. And it's the Visit North Carolina Farms? Yeah, so it's like, just visit NC Farms. It's on uh, both iPhone and Android. And they put a lot of money into it. They almost talked about taking it down. So I always advertise it when I can. Because it's ran by the North Carolina Department of Agriculture. They put a lot of investment into it to try to get people going back to farms. So they have things like farm experiences for people that just like... want to take the kids out to go pet some things you know they have those type of experience for like more agritourism they have where if you want to shop they have a button for that where you can find produce stands so if anyone's in the like wallace area i always recommend chestnut farms like i said they got some good boiled peanuts out there they'll treat you right and you can find all these things on there that's based off your location across north carolina I love that. I can't believe I didn't know about that. Yeah, we have a tradition when we travel. And I don't get to travel much, but I do travel within North Carolina. And so we go, because I'm not familiar with West North Carolina. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't ever go west past, once you get to the Charlotte area, New London. You know, I'll go there, but I'll, I don't usually go farther than that. So when I do travel that way, I use it to find things to do because we make it a, a rule that if we're going out of town we try to at least stop at one farm or at least support some and like financially a farmer in the area kind of offset and do a, a good thing kind of thing i love that if you ever want to go to western north carolina and you want a tour guide i'm your girl i know absolutely. <laughs> i think we're actually headed out that way soon um we, we haven't finalized anything, but there's a new glamping site that's open up that way. They're going to have us come out. So definitely I'll get in touch with you and we'll tag you in the experience. There you go. That's awesome. I love it up there. We go, I go home about once a year usually. And, you know, I play tour guide because my kids weren't born up there. And, you know, I want them to get to know home the way that I know home. So we do, you know, the great smokies and we go all over the place anytime we go. So well, then you could probably answer this question, okay, because I, I, don't, I don't have a, a Western North Carolina expert. That's why I always put Southeast, because I don't want to claim to know anything. This is a word that I get wrong, so I know that I tell people how to pronounce things, 
but I don't even know how to pronounce this one. And so I'm going to ask you because you'll probably know. Is is it Pisgah? Pisgah? It's Pisgah. Like Pisgah. With a, yep, with a, like with a Z, Pisgah. And you can always tell when somebody's from up north because they call it Pisgah and it drives me a fool. Okay, because see, I would be that way. And so I was like sounding that out because I got invited to go out that way. And I was like, um, I don't even know how to say this one. Um. And I grew up, you could literally probably, well, somebody with a really good arm probably could have thrown a baseball from my front yard and landed not too far off from the Pisgah National Forest. Okay. Because I was like, that one had me for a loop. And I was like, well, that's one I can't say. So people can tell me I'm wrong about that one. Yes, well, now you know. It is Pisgah. And you know else, something else that's funny is you're always talking about you call yourself the North Carolina expert. On Twitter, I tell everybody that I'm the queen of North Carolina. I love that. <laughs> Look, we can share the title. You you get Western North Carolina. We'll split it right now. Like that. There you go. <laughs> what is it, like Lion King? Everything that's like. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite farms in North Carolina? So you mentioned cattle farms. This this farm looked like it was straight from a fairy tale. It didn't even look real while we were there. And that's the Fine Family Farm. And I think they're technically in New London. Um, but they're out in the Uari. You can literally see the cows out in the pasture. The sun is rolling hills. The sun was setting and it just looked like the most vivid colors. And then right there they have their shop where you can buy a cut of steak right there we took it back to the campsite hooked it up it was the best steak i've probably ever eaten in my entire life and this and they have an airbnb too so they're doing what i would like to do but they have over 200 some acres that have been in their family for like years and it's, it's just so beautiful it's one of those things that you just have to see to experience and like you just feel like you could get lost there for days um another one that i really enjoyed was going out to the Tillery Farm. And that one was a little bit controversial, and I knew that it was going to be. But just to experience that much family history, because I was lucky enough that his dad was also there, and he actually has a family grave plot on the property from every generation of that five-generation farm. And so you really get to see how it was built. And, I mean, the 1800s, like, it's yeah it's like insane like their family has been in that area forever why was that one controversial so that was the cotton farm one that i did and as a black woman you know that was already knew that some people were not going to get it but it was too much worth it for me because i feel like one of the things that i know that i stand for in in agriculture indirectly is just diversity i know and anyone with kind of knows when you close your eyes and you think of a farmer I'm not what you envision Uh, that's why I think I throw people off you think of older older guy in overalls plaid you know dipping the lip I'm not that and so when I present I'm like hey I'm a farmer either some people don't really believe it or I just don't fit the the box that they have and so another thing I do is I try to push what they think of farming there's more to old McDonald than the fact that he had a farm and that he had a dog named Bingo. Like, there's so much diversity within agriculture. There, even within it in itself, if you put a poultry farmer on a cattle farm, I wouldn't know the first thing to do. 
vice versa. You even even between farms, I mentioned this in my interview the other day, even between farms, everyone has different ways that they do things and every farmer thinks his way is best. So I know that I stand for diversity in it and I knew that it could have some people that weren't ready to face the fact that they have a bias in their head when they saw the pictures of me there. And see, that blows my mind because, and maybe it's because I spent a lot of time in the rural areas in southeastern North Carolina, but a lot of the farm, a lot of the people who grew gardens and, and kept animals, they weren't just white. Nice. You know what I mean? And, and, but now that you mention it, whenever you, people are talking about farmers, like there's very few black faces out there that represent that. And yet that was a very much so a reality in the 80s and 90s was that you know a lot of the black families in southeastern north carolina were into farming yeah i get a lot of some some of the hate comments that i get and i always charge it to their lack of um, knowledge but they'll try to call me they'll say that i'm out of touch but my dad actually he's he's mixed race but he's lumbian black and um he was one of the first families to desegregate a school down in south carolina and so he's had firsthand accounts and what a lot of people don't take into account and, and why, you know, America has history when it comes to agriculture and black people. And there's some, some wounds there. But after slavery ended, and it's the reality, it's just facts, a lot of these people had never done anything else, especially in my own family. We can trace back to, on my, on my mom's side especially, straight to the plantation that she came from. And, and that doesn't hurt us and, and my siblings because... We're in tune, you know, we know our history and it's not something that we're ashamed of. So all these people that are free now that have only been farming their entire lives, what are they going to do for money now? They, a lot of people still stayed and farmed doing the same things they knew what to do. And then when they were able to purchase their own land, they kept the skill set. And so it wasn't until after some people don't know the history, but there was a big devastation that happened in the cotton industry and uh with the boll weevil and it's this little bug that completely wiped out whole cotton fields and it, now they have it under control where it's thought to be extinct um and it caused a reproduction but when the cotton industry got devastated that's when a lot of african-american people in general left and moved to the more urban areas that we associate with them now like uh, Detroit, Michigan for industrialization. And that's when that, that push of the car industry and all that started to happen. That's why you get these heavy pockets of the African-American communities, people who stayed and the people who have left. And the people who have left have become out of touch with our farming roots. But the people who've stayed, I mean, you were talking about, you know, elders in your family. I can go to my Uncle Hallway's house right now and he has nothing but garden even in his hobby farm. It, it's still pertinent you drive in our, our rural cities you'll see everyone has a little hobby garden growing something right now everyone's got collards out and you'll just see that all over and so to me it's not out of the norm it is our culture exactly and i love that i love that there are people who are still holding on to it and i wish that white people were holding on to it harder too because i'm noticing things like you know, when I grew up, there was a garden in almost everybody's backyard. I don't see that anymore. You know, almost everybody kept chickens. 
I'm not seeing that anymore. Like a lot of these old ways are kind of dying off. And that is such a huge part of North Carolina culture. And so to see it disappear is like losing a part, like losing that connection to our ancestors. Yeah. One of the questions I asked people all a while back is if the grocery stores all shut down, if your easy access to food was eliminated, how would you feed your family? And the, the reality is a lot of people would starve or they'd have, to, and the answers there was like, I'd have to go loot or whatever. That's sad because having the skill set, yes, yeah, sure, go steal your neighbor's food. Go go rob the people who have food. But then what? You're going to need someone who has a skill set to produce more. You're going to need someone with the know-how. And then I also got a lot of people that are like, I'll hunt. And I love hunting just as much as the next person. But as a real hunter, and I'll admit, there's times you go out and you don't come back with nothing. So I'm sorry. I know that you guys like to think that you're expert outdoorsmen, but I've seen so many all come home with nothing. And if your family's tummy being filled is reliant on it, do you honestly think that every single time you'd come back with 100% success rate and bag that big old buck? You're not. And, and that's the reality. So you'd have to have some ability to, to produce livestock. That's how we were able to expand as a civilization. I'm a little bit of a history buff when it comes to like the history of agriculture and how it actually propelled us to get industrialized. Without the food source, without the ability that we have to produce food the way we do, we could not sustain our technological advances. It, it, we need farmers, but they're so, I guess, I don't want to say demonized right now, but in the media, I feel that it's a lot of blaming for environmental factors that I just don't believe add up to be true. Because it's everything is used. It's all natural. Like even with the cattle production, like even with their waste, that's fertilizer. It's a yep. crop. I mean, it, it, it all feeds into each other. Um, I know when PETA organizations were trying to demonize the poultry industry and they're like, the male chicks are discarded. Well, that's a myth because we now have sexed houses. So those male chicks aren't discarded. They're dropped off at chicken farms and then raised to be meat so everything is still getting used and so dispelling those myths is kind of where I feel like I had to be loud and proud and and someone had to do it and I said might as well be me I think you do, you're doing a great job of it I have to go back to something though because you're gonna laugh at me but you were talking about hunting and you know something that a lot of people they're all if they, if they say I'm going hunting what are they talking about they're talking about deer they're they're talking about hog you know what it wants yeah whatever you know well I grew up in the mountains and if you said you were go, going hunting that might mean you were going for rabbit or squirrel or you know and down here I hear people uh raccoon and these things are still eaten well, yeah you know what I mean my, like, I got a pet rabbit my dad tried to eat it he kept making threats that he was going to make him a stew. And I said, not my rabbit. This is a house rabbit. And it didn't help that I named it Tater. And he was like, I'm a have Tater with some Taters. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm, I've always wanted to have rabbit. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to eat your rabbit. <laughs> I've always wanted to eat rabbit. I haven't. I have had squirrel and I've had bear and deer and, you know, probably some few other so random things. But squirrel. Uh, I would eat it if I have to. It is not, it's not something I'm picking up um, <laughs> regularly. That's for sure. Uh, but my dad tells me stories. They would eat anything. Like he sees a turtle, he sees food. I said, no, I'm moving it across the road. Leave it alone. <laughs> Frogs. 
I'll, I'll eat frog. I'll tear some frog legs up. <laughs> I'll go frog gigging in a second. See, I've been known to, <laughs> to catch a few frogs. Yeah, my daddy loved frog legs, man, when I was a kid. And I don't, I will eat freshwater fish, but I don't like saltwater fish. And for I'll whatever reason, fish. frog kind of has this fishy kind of flavor to it. Everybody says it tastes like chicken. That is a lie. It's just what I do not agree. <laughs> Have you had gator yet? I haven't. Well, I you know that I had it. Some. I like it using Ritz crackers. It's my my tested secret. Oh, everybody go use it. But Ritz crackers for the breading. Ooh, and then you season like you crush them up and you season that. Mm, I like to fried. That's my go-to. One thing since we're talking about food that I draw the line at, and my dad and some of the older listeners maybe. We'll, we'll know about this one pig brains now that one was one i could not get behind i will not try but they sell it in a can it's the rose brand and every once in a while piggly wiggly will have it and they'll have a sign that says limit two cases and i was horrified when i saw it and i sent a picture <laughs> to my dad i'm like who is buying so much they have to have a limit first of all who is stocking up on it? And my dad is like, oh, I love pig brains with eggs. So that's the, the thing. Scrambled eggs. They put pig brains in it. It's canned. So that's already a no. Canned meat, there's a no for me. Unless it's like tuna or like potted meat or something. But pig brains? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. I don't think I've ever had pig brains. I don't recommend I don't it. I haven't had it, but... Mm-mm. Yeah, that doesn't sound... It doesn't, doesn't sound good to me. But you know, I saw comments it went viral for a little bit other people talking about these limited cases of pig brains and people in the comments were like i remember eating this from my grandma's house and it's actually like super good and there was not a comment that said it was like bad everyone was like if you've had it it's delicious but it's one of those things that you just have to eat but the mental picture i can't no so i consider myself to be pretty country and um my husband and my mom like liver pudding. Oh, I love liver pudding. And I have been trying to work up the courage to eat it. So for Christmas breakfast the other day, there was liver pudding. And I was like, I'm going to try this. You didn't like it? <laughs> my husband, it, the taste was good. The texture was not, the texture just did not sit right. So I'm going to try it again and see if I can get it a little crispier. Okay, did you, did you have it by itself? Yes. Okay. See, that's what I don't recommend. Have it with your grits and mix it in. That's the way my dad eats. That's the way I eat it. And it kind of it diffuses the texture and that grit gives it something to stick with and kind of like mellows it out. Okay. See, I can try that. I mix I mix my eggs and grits and my bacon. And yeah. I'm not saying it's on the plate. That's the way to eat it. So if you're not one of those people that don't like your food to mix, we just do a, a hog mash of it. We just... You take your grits and you mix your scrambled eggs in with it too. And you, I just cut little pieces of your liver pudding and mix it in with your grits. Best things. Best breakfast. You'll be so full. All right. And if that doesn't work, then you're just probably not a liver pudding person. Okay. I'm going to try it because I, I have to have, I mean, if you're from North Carolina, you have to like liver pudding, right? It has to be the Macy's brand. That was right. <laughs> That's right. See, I know this. It's just one of those things. I read the ingredients one time, and I was like, I'm not eating that. Oh, I don't think I've ever actually looked into it. Don't. Don't. If you like it, don't. <laughs> but that's how uh, Mitch is when I eat my pickle sauce, and she's like, do you even know what's in that? I'm like, mmm, pork heart. 
<laughs> so tasty. See, and I'll eat that all day long. I could eat those by the case, like just every day. <laughs> God. I've never looked at the ingredients, so see, that's where I messed up. Yeah, don't do it. I'll still eat it. I'm I'm kind of one of those tough stomachs that I'll try anything once. And then after that, you have to convince me. That's me. I, when I was a kid, I was very, very picky. And the older I get, the more things that I like. And so I'm trying to try new things all the time because I'm like, okay, this is a Southern dish and I'm supposed to like it. Why don't I like it? And then I'll try it. And most of the time I end up loving it. Okay. Speaking of that, then, do you have anything that would get your North Carolina card taken away? Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to spill all the secrets. Ooh, what would get my North Carolina card taken away? Hmm. Give me an example. Okay, so we're big on barbecue in our North Carolina barbecue. Ooh, I'm about to have some people hot. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. In Alabama. For my nationals, we ate at this one place called the Barbecue Haven. And I'm sorry, but that barbecue put North Carolina barbecue to shame. <laughs> Don't say this. I just got in a fight with all of Twitter about North Carolina barbecue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is the thing that will get my North Carolina car taken away. Okay. Alabama barbecue is better. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that would do it. Huh. Let's see. Mm. I'm gonna say, oh, here's a good one. I do not like that. That. <laughs> I don't think I do either. <laughs> like if it's if it's is if it's cooked in the beans and I don't have to eat it, cool. But if you cook fat back and you try to get, I will hey, just bite it into it. Yeah, uh, mm, nope. I don't have that taste bud either. Yep. Mm-mm. That's mm. I got the difference just thinking about it. <laughs> I don't think any well, some people probably do. Oh, definitely some people do. I have seen it many, many times served at a breakfast table, and I'm like, wow. They don't <laughs> got to go to flounder, in my opinion. Uh-uh. And it's salty, and mm. I'm the same way about ham hock and my greens. And Oh, this is another one that'll get mine taken away. <laughs> but I have a weird thing with bones that I've always had since I was a kid, so my mom would always make me a separate pot of greens, a little spoiled brat, um, <laughs> without, no, a ham hock in it. And that was the most amount of spoiling she would do. Is like specialty food. She would, she'd still cook the same thing she was cooking everybody because you ain't getting nothing else. But she would modify how she made it to, uh, to for your taste buds. And I've just always hated bones like turkey necks. Ugh, I don't, just the idea of marrow in my food grosses me out. So I make people mad when I eat chicken wings. So I'll still eat them. But I'm one of those people that just nibble the outside and leave all that meat still in there. <laughs> See, no, I, I will make turkey gravy from the giblets and the neck bone and the, the, go the whole keep the neck bone <laughs> i don't want it <laughs> the giblets are fine just that bone just throws it throw it out <laughs> <laughs> oh my mamma would be having a heart attack right now because that's where the good broth comes uh, from. and that's what i hear in my entire life i do not care i don't want that broth <laughs> Another thing, I, I love talking about food. I was horrified when I found out that my dad used chicken feet to season his chicken box. And I had, because I love eating, he has like, it's world famous. That chicken box is so good. But one day I caught him making it and I looked in the pot and I shouldn't look because this is where I messed up. And I saw the feet and I was like, you put chicken feet in <laughs> He's like, I always have. And I was like, don't tell me that. But he's like, I take them out when it's done. And I was like, yeah, because if you served it like this, no one would eat it. 
you've got to send me a recipe. I've been looking for a good recipe for chicken bog, and mine never turns out right. <laughs> I just learned that it was actually called chicken bog because I always heard it from my dad, and I thought he was saying chicken bob my whole life. So I've been calling it chicken bob. And it wasn't until someone was like, what did you say? And I was like, I love eating chicken bob. And they're like, chicken who? Steve? <laughs> so I just got it right. But I, I tell you, it's the best I've ever had. I'll send it to you if you don't mind using them chicken feet. I don't that mind feet. chicken feet. That might be the secret. <laughs> I do not mind using chicken feet. I don't. I, I can do that. Okay. Maybe I'll make Brandon make it. <laughs> Don't tail them and just serve it with the chicken feet. <laughs> like, maybe I couldn't dinner. <laughs> he might leave me. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> I knew you were country, Madonna. <laughs> oh, Lord. The first time I took my he gets so mad at me every time I tell this story. And he is like, that is not true. Oh, it is 100% true. Took him home to the mountains and, you know, there were cattle up there and there were horses and, and goats. And I take my husband, who was a city boy from Fayetteville, and we go up and, and the cows start running towards him. And he started backing up and he was like, um, is this safe? <laughs> yeah, it's, you're good. He was scared. Yeah. No. It was so cute. It made me. It made me love him all the much more. Yeah, I'll, I'll pretend you don't worry. <laughs> I can't. Oh. Oh. We got way off topic. That was great. No, that's true. <laughs> I love talking about food. I feel like most of this episode was about food. That's, I mean, it, it, I feel like food is like a huge cornerstone of Southern culture. You know what I mean? It's, it brings us together. People always tell me, like, Whenever I'm posting on Twitter, there'll be somebody from South Carolina who pops up and they're like, that's a low country dish. And I'm like, you do realize that the the Gullah Geechee Corridor started in Pender County, right? And so lower North Carolina actually has all the same dishes that you do. You're not on all the credit. <laughs> they are my comments too. Like South Carolina, you just want to be seen. We <laughs> see you. You're lesser North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm going to start a war. I'm like, look, I make better shrimp and grits than any of y'all do, okay? I promise you right now. And Garen, I'll come eat that. Now, that's one of my favorites. I'll come get a plate. Dude, we make it, I make it at least like twice a month. All right, well, and just let me know. See if I'm more than welcome to come. I'm, I'm happy to share recipes. Let's shoot. <laughs> but it's funny about the South Carolina because Lumberton's right there south of the border. And I remember when you go hang down there, and I still have no idea how that place is even open. Because it's it's a weird little subsect, and I try describing it to people who've never seen it. And they're like, how is this place allowed? I was like, it just <laughs> is. It's just one of those places. It's been around forever. So my husband's parents, and I believe I've got this right, they honeymooned at South. They did not. Yes, they did. <laughs> they absolutely did not. Yes, they did. Don't take me. <laughs> I wouldn't go down there and take pictures of no, the bad right there's pictures. The blog. There's probably a picture out there somewhere. Um, my parents, they took us there for family vacations. And that's when they had all those god-awful statues for you to take pictures with. Oh. And there's a picture of Nicole somewhere on, like, next to the gorilla uh, little statue. 
I remember going up in that sunburrow and just like, and now you look at it and it's like, how is this a theme park? How did people bring their kids here? Every single time my mama took me somewhere in South Carolina or Florida or wherever we went, on the way back, we stopped. Stopped at South Florida. Florida. Yes. It's, it's a must. You have to because it's just like, am I in a favor dream? <laughs> I went recently, I'm not going to lie. The sombrero is closed. Like, it, it's not the same of its glory days for sure. But my parents worked there at one point when it was like at its like peak, when everybody would go there and play putt putt. I mean, at one point, south of the border was like a destination spot before you went down to Myrtle. Mm-hmm. At least for us. But those are like the, the good things. Like, when you're from North Carolina, you know so. Oh, definitely. They need to bring it back if it's dying off. See, now I'm going to have to go see it before something happens to it. Go take a picture (laughs) with one of the statues. (laughs) Oh, I love that place. Oh, I can see the comments about that right now. (laughs) Oh, God, because you got to understand it to go there. Oh, yeah. But I was like, this is a PR nightmare. Like, this can never come (laughs) to How are they not canceled? I'm glad they're not, though. I mean, I, and you got to protect them at all costs. <laughs> I, right. I miss the world where we all just, it, it, there was this time in like the 90s where we all got along. And, and yeah. I'm not saying we all, you know, but for the most part, it was things were getting better. And, yeah. and we all loved each other. We all hung out together. We all partied together. It was a good time. It was a good time. And now I look around and I'm like, what happened, man? Like, this is not the way. Things were going. What happened? Absolutely not. And so that's why I'll still go down there. I mean, I love a good South Border trip. Just, I just want to keep my eyes on it, but I really want to preserve those aspects. So, like, maybe it's a little nostalgia factor, but I love still stopping by, the, like, stands, going to South Border, and just doing the stuff that we used to really enjoy. Absolutely. You know, there was a place in North Carolina, I believe it was in Murphy. And they did a possum drop for New Year's every year. That sounds like the most redneck. And the dude, I wanted to go see this so go. bad. They canceled it. They freaking canceled it. And every year at New Year's, I get a little teary-eyed thinking, I'm never going to see the possum drop. It was the animal rights people problem. <laughs> I'm like, you know that possum was probably treated like a king. Oh, but who are they getting to go catch it? That's what I was wondering. <laughs> Whose yard in the end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm upset I didn't get this is the possum drop. I would go to that. I'd be right there along with you. <laughs> Just taking pictures. I would have loved it. I remember we'd find possums all the time and they'd play dead. That was like my wild childhood is finding things and trying to ask my dad to let me keep it. Oh, because like every time he cut the grass for a while there, we had like bad luck where we just find baby animals. And in my mind, I'm a rescuer, clearly. And so we're going to keep it. So I had like some wild rabbits. I had a pet raccoon there for a little bit um, before he ran away. I have no idea what happened to it. But we went outside. I had an idea that, oh, I'm going to let you be outside. But I didn't want him to run away. So we put a laundry basket over top of him. To keep them in the yard. I went to the house to go use the bathroom. Came back, my possum or my raccoon was gone. So, oh, I know. Poor thing. My daddy brought home a baby, uh, baby raccoon. I was probably about fourteen, and I was in love with this little baby raccoon. It was so cute. And this baby raccoon would climb in his work boots and go to sleep. Aww. And 
Oh, oh, it gets good. Well, one morning he goes and puts his foot in his shoe and it had made a mess. Oh, oh no. <laughs> That's it. He probably got kicked out. Oh, yeah. And he got kicked out. That's all it takes. A good time. Yep. Mm-hmm. He got rid of it. He sure did. And I'll tell you something else. Talking about possum. My next door neighbor, bless his heart, he is just such a sweetheart. But me and the girls, there was a possum out on our back fence line. And we were just watching him. I mean, it was so cool. And my neighbor comes out and he was like, oh, no, it's got rabies. And I was like, no, it doesn't. No, save it. Don't, don't save it. You go. That's, that's when you're out in the boonies. That's how they react. That's a pest. <laughs> I'm like, they eat ticks and they kill snakes, leave it beneficial, keep him around. Mm, luckily, he didn't. My my possum's still running around out there in the backyard somewhere. See, my toxic trait is thinking I could tame it. Oh, if it had let me cl- get close enough, I would have tried. And we make the joke that I'm a little bit feral. <laughs> so, I think I can talk to any animal outside. I'm like, you've seen those stories where girls will bring home like a bobcat kid. That's me. I'm one of them girls. My girls call me Snow White because we'll go out all over the Great Smoky Mountains and the elk will just kind of come to me or the wild turkey just kind of get a little closer and they're like, how do you do that? And I'm like, because I'm not scared and I stand still and, you know, I grew up around here. See, I'd imagine I really am a princess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They just come to me. And I have a fairy godmother that keeps an eye on y'all when y'all are adding up. So. <laughs> That's right. It'll be good. So what can we do? Uh, uh, we got off topic. Again. What can we do to support local farmers? Like, so what can the listeners do that will actually make a difference in helping? I honestly would say just know what you ate. Um, I mentioned the Visit NC Farms app, but honestly, people need to utilize it. If you don't want to download an extract on your farm, Facebook. You're already on it. Stop your scroll. If you type in just about any farm near me, I mean, it's they've gotten so good with geolocating it on these farms that you'll start to get recommended these um, these things. Finding a local farmers market, if you just the easiest step you can take, finding a farmers market and purchasing produce from a farmer, it makes a world of difference. So if you see that, if you happen to be passing through an area where you see those truck beds out and you see that sweet little old man, stop purchase this stuff i guarantee you'll get more for your book than you will at the grocery store and the main thing is is it wasn't imported in it wasn't dyed to be pretty for your aesthetic it's grown in the area and you can trust it and on at the same time you're supporting and putting money back into your local economy and i think they did a study on it and for like every dollar spent locally about 40% of it stays in the local economy. And that, that in and of itself is amazing. It's almost just about half. So that automatically not only benefits the farmer, but it benefits your community. I love that. You know, and I'm the worst. That, well, it's not the worst. It's actually really good. But every time I see a watermelon stand or somebody selling watermelons out of the back of their trucks, I always stop because my, that's what Mamaw and Papaw did. And I swear the best tasting watermelons are sold out of the back of a truck and you know some falling down parking lot <laughs> yeah absolutely and i always advocate for the science part because i have a biology background that's what i went to campbell for so what people don't realize is that the, the science behind marketing is they make things to sell to you 
So the fruit that you're seeing has a waxy coating put on to, to make it look shiny because it gives off the appearance of health. But that's not what fruit looks like. They're faking health. Even in our fresh food, quote unquote fresh food, tomatoes are made to look redder, um, cucumbers are dyed to look greener. That's not natural. And so when you actually see vegetables, when you grow them, you notice, oh, this kind of looks funny because that's what actual vegetables look like. And they're not hand selecting the best looking ones and dyeing them further and throwing out the rest because there's a lot of waste even in the, the commercialized produce area. So you're combating that. I talked about a little bit about greenwashing and, and the labels. They'll say non-GMO, but there was never a GMO option to start with. So by putting that sticker on there, it gives you the impression that there was. So you buy theirs. But it, it didn't matter. There, All of them were non-GMO. And so it sells to people who are attempting to make the step to even be health conscious and deceives them. And so really just educating yourself, getting the know-how on the backstory or what it takes to get certain certifications and if these certifications even mean anything some of the labeling it, it has no weight they can legally put it on there and it doesn't mean anything different certain um certain bunnies they'll put on there for organic but there's only one recognized um the bunny for vegan stuff and the rest of them are just private privately owned organizations that they can just pay to get that label slapped on but it gives you the feeling that you're doing something health conscious. And that's what they're hoping for, that you'll buy this higher price item. But healthy food that's locally grown doesn't have to be expensive. And so that's kind of what I want to combat as well. I love that. I didn't know that. I had no idea that they were doing that. That is crazy. And you know something else I've noticed, and maybe you'll be able to answer this for me. Every time I go to the grocery store, and I buy something that, you know, whether it be a bag of potatoes or whatever. A bag of potatoes, you know, when my grandparents grew potatoes, they lasted forever. I go buy a bag of potatoes and those suckers are have gone bad in a week. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if it's how they're growing them because I've noticed that too. And I've started growing my own potatoes and um, I have a method for doing them in a five-gallon bucket. And I, I recommend people trying it because that's a renewable uh, vegetable right then and of itself. You keep hanging back a couple of them and it keeps reproducing and you can do them inside your home in a tote container. And so they're actually really easy to do. So there's certain things or I, I'm going to release it in 2024, but I'm actually going to release a master list and it's going to be things to avoid at the grocery store. And so it's going to be how a farmer would shop, kind of like that kind of angle. And so I'm going to go in and detail things of like, this is what you should buy and it's okay. There's not much difference. This is what I would buy if it's available to you for locally. Cause I, in North Carolina, our dairy production is, it's really low. So it's harder for us to get like things like raw milk. So that's one of the things like, if you can do it, do it. If not, you can buy the normal milk in the grocery store and try to make a list to give people something, some type of guide versus someone that's trying to make money off of you saying well this is what you want because they realize people want to eat better they want to eat cleaner so they're actually capitalizing on the lack of knowledge which is crazy to me it seems like it wasn't that long ago that these things were just common sense you know what i mean it was common mm -hmm. sense that if you had a garden that the things that grew in your garden 
were going to be better and healthier than the things that you were going to get at the grocery store. And it's like now, Pete, there's just this huge disconnect. Yeah, the know-how, the knowledge behind how to do it, because most people wouldn't know where to start. Then on top of that, the convenience. And there's nothing wrong with convenience. I, I have to specify because I don't want people to think, like, I just want to go back to all the old ways. But there's a balance. And now we've gone too far and overcorrected where we've made it too easy to the point where we've lost the ability to do it ourselves and, and, and grow these things ourselves and knowing that it's better. And plus they pushed and told us, this is safe, this is safe, this is safe. Short term, sure. Long term. Now they're starting to say, well, maybe this isn't the best for your health. Well, that's good to know now after we've been feeding it to our kids and our families for all these years. Thanks for telling us now. So kind of combating that and trying to teach people just consider before consuming. That's all I would all I want. I don't want to shame anybody because, yeah, sometimes it's more affordable to buy process to get stuff that's already ready, ready made. And I, at the end of the day, feed your family. But if you have the means and you can take the time, and it is inconvenient, I'll be honest, I know it's inconvenient because I, I make it a, a habit to do it. I try to source as much of my food either from growing it myself or obtaining it locally before I touch the Walmart. And it is hard. And so I know that it takes an effort and it takes time, and I actually have to plan my meals. And so that's the thing is what does your time cost? Do you care enough about feeding your family healthily that you will make sacrifices to do it? And I need that to be an internal, you know, kind of weighing of consequences for individuals. But at least consider it. I, I'm big into that, especially we switched from seed oils. We don't do seed oils anymore. Back to the way my grandparents did it. We use, I use lard when I make my biscuits. I use tallow. We use real butter. And, mm -hmm. and I don't feel like enough people are really talking about that. Like, I still see a lot of people who are eating country crock. And I'm like, man, not only does that not taste very good, it's not good for you. And you know yeah. what I mean? That's true. I'm actually, you'll stay tuned because you'll actually like this. I'm making a video coming up, um, how to make butter from scratch. And the difference between traditional butter that we usually buy and what's called Irish butter. And that's the really yellow butter. And so my mama had a butter churn growing up, and she would always make her own butter. And so my husband got me a new one for Christmas. So I'll be showing everybody how to make Irish butter from scratch because Irish butter is better because it has a higher fat content, and it's actually healthy fats. And so it's actually better for you than the lighter colored butter, which has a, a lesser fat content. I'll be showing how to do that. And you can get butter churns, like a, a good cheap hand churn, off of Amazon. And so that's something I have coming up too. So definitely stick tuned to that one. That's awesome. My, I can't remember who it was, but I've seen butter made and it, they washed it and salted mm -hmm. it. And it was really, it's, it was a really cool process. So I'm, I can't wait to see how you do it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the key part. The washing, it actually helps it keep longer. Really? Mm-hmm. Very cool. And then what's left over is buttermilk, right? Mm -hmm. And then you make your biscuits. Yay, see? That's why I said no waste. Everything gets used. You find a purpose for everything. It's amazing the things that I remember <laughs> from that. Yeah, I, I love a good biscuit. Oh, me too. That's the best part. Cat head biscuits. Mm. Mm. Oh, Lord. With some honey. And you know something I don't see anymore? I don't know if they got secret dealers for it, but molasses. 
I don't even know where you could buy molasses nowadays. <laughs> we, I buy it at, um, I want to say Food Lion. Because um, I have not seen molasses on a shelf and I don't know how long. And maybe I'm not looking in the right areas, but I was like, I don't know where people get molasses anymore. Do people yeah. still eat molasses? Yeah, try the uh, baking aisle on in uh, Food Lion. Um, we buy it. I don't use a whole lot of it, but we do buy it. But yeah. I spill with biscuits. I haven't seen it locally, like local made molasses in a real either. long time. I mean, we're talking years. I do know where to get local honey, but I you don't... have to have a honey guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, my uncle and my aunt, they are beekeepers in Wilmington. And so whenever I go home, I stop and get some honey and I get beeswax because I make my own soap. And Yeah. I've always wanted to get into soap making, but definitely give me their contacts because I'm not far from Wilmington and I'd make that drive. I'm actually afraid of bees and that's something I actually talked about was starting a small little hive, but to help me get over my fear, but I am terrified of bees, but I have to keep a pollinator garden for the, the vegetables. So I allow them to exist around me, but I am not fond of them whatsoever. And I will run if I'm working outside and they're around. I'll let you do what you got to do, but I'm letting them be over here and I'll come back when you're gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to give you his information. He even, I believe there for a little while, he was teaching classes on how to how to do it. Yeah, I definitely thought about taking some classes in it because I was like, mm, this will help me get over my fear. And also, you know, you can keep anyone can keep up to five hives in their backyard. For the state of North Carolina, it doesn't matter if your HOA doesn't like it. So I was like, mm, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that and advocate for that too. Because that's an easy step for someone to get their feet wet. Yeah, and they're they're very good for the environment. They, I mean, they're excellent producers. Like, they're amazing. The only reason I don't have them yet is because my youngest is deathly terrified of insects of all kinds. So I promised her I would wait until after she's grown and moved out. <laughs> yeah, I can get along with her. I'm also scared of butterflies. She is too. Mm. Yeah, I went to Raleigh and, you know, in the Science Museum, they have that butterfly garden. Mm -hmm. And I thought I could challenge my fears. And they're like, there's some rare species. And she gives you the, like the whole spill before you go in there. And I was like, oh, no, there's rare species. I'm about to be the cause of an extinction because if <laughs> one lands on me, I'm going to kill it. And I know I am. And so I get in there and I start panicking, like a full-on panic attack. I had to leave early. I was like, nope, I'm never doing that again. Because they were just landing on people. And just don't touch me. Yeah, she has, she's gotten a little bit better over the years. Um, whenever we went to Catalucci last year, they were puddling in the, um, uh, in the, the gravel road right next to us. And she could stand over them and look at them. But when they started flying, she had to run away. <laughs> yeah, she gets yeah. it. It's the flying aspect that freaks us out. Yeah, she doesn't like it, though. So what's next? I mean, you're a real estate agent. You're a farmer. You're a beauty queen. Are you going to run for more titles? So the plan, so before I got married, I had a goal of being Miss Universe like every pageant girl ever does. But there was a rule that said you could never be married, never have children. And so that was kind of a deterrent. But this past year, they changed that rule. And so now it's like, oh, I could actually do it. Like, this could be real. So I'm currently trying to get ready for that. But I won't be able to compete to 2025. So in the meantime, I'm looking at wanting to still advocate for ag agriculture another year. So there's another system that's 
Miss Agriculture America, and they're based out of California, that is on my books. Um, they usually have their nationals around May, but I'd have to get the North Carolina crown first. So I'm going to try to vie for that. As far as real estate is concerned, I'm really niching down. So I'm going to work on trying to get more people into homeownership, but for the ag aspect. So really specializing in the rural areas, people that, you know, don't really want the HOAs. They want the ability to have a small coop in the backyard to do the hobby farming, utilizing the USDA loan. And more so towards that, doing what you love makes stuff not work. So I would like to keep it like that. And as far as farms are concerned, I think everyone can get used to seeing me advocating, explaining, debunking misconceptions going forward. Um, and pretty much just wanting to teach people and answer your questions. If there's a question where you feel silly asking anyone or you don't have the person to ask, um, I'm a big fan of Dolly. And one of my favorite quotes from her is, I know what I know, I know what I don't know, and what I don't know, I know somebody who does. And I, I take that on. I know a lot about agriculture, but there are aspects that's so vast that I don't know. But I'm not a world, like, black book of just other farmers. And I can go find that answer for, for the people who are listening that have it, and I'll answer it. And I'll answer it for everyone else to see, because some people are afraid to ask questions. Excellent. And I have one thing that's going to sound so weird to you, but could you just please do me a favor and say hello to my friend Dave? So I posted on Twitter that you were coming on and he has asked about four or five times. Make sure that I bring him up so that you can say hello. Hey, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That will make his day. <laughs> I'm not big on the Twitter. I, I need to make one and really get on the, over there, but I have avoided Twitter. Um, up until instagram really taking off i'm not social media savvy i'm literally a little old lady in a in a young person's body so this whole social media thing is so new for me but maybe i'll make my way over to the twitter world one day oh please do everybody will love you like they will they will just love you and see i'm not that way about instagram where i'm like i love instagram the old school way where we were posting beautiful pictures and, and food right and and now it's like all videos and i'm like if i wanted to do videos i'd use tiktok well i tried tiktok too and i left i was like this is not my demographic <laughs> see and i can see that people would hate me on tiktok oh yeah that's not our that's not our audience yeah <laughs> yeah and so i'm kind of like i'm scared of instagram a little bit because i'm like look I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a moderate. And so both sides are like, I lean a little Republican, but like, so neither side really likes me though. <laughs> I feel like we're in a world of an echo chamber because I feel like I'm the same way. And, it, you know, you'll say something that they like. And so they'll, they'll, you know, gravitate towards you. But then you also check them on some toxic viewpoints that they may have. And then that's like, oh, I know you're the worst. And yeah. so, like, there, there's a middle ground, folks. There's gray areas. Like, you, both things can be true at the same time. And I don't think that we're in a place anymore where there could be differences of opinion. <laughs> and I hate that because I'm I'm one of those people. Like, half of my family was very Republican, and half of them was very Democrat. And so I'm not one of those people who can like dislike someone because of their political viewpoints. Like, I don't care. To me, that's not that's your political viewpoint doesn't make up who you are and people are just kind of 
that's all yeah. they want to do. It's all it's they their whole personality on. trait. Yeah, and I'm I cannot stand it. I'm like people will like every once in a while someone will step out of the lane and try to like turn one of my posts on Twitter into a politics thing, and I don't care which it side it comes not off. Even about that when you post it, right? And I don't care who says it, what side they're on. I'm like, nope, we don't do that here. You can do that anywhere else. And if you make a political post, I may even comment on it. But we don't do that on my profile. This is yeah. my world. <laughs> and they should respect that. But, right. you know, they the do. world. But they do. I have awesome followers. And every time I shut it down, they stop. And they're always very respectful. No matter which side of the aisle it's on, I haven't had an issue. But I do. I shut it down. I'm like, no, we're, this is a place where we all get along because we love our state. That's what this is. I love that. Because you need that escape. We do it in our day-to-day every single day, no matter where we're at. It's nice to have a break. Can can we take a break and just get along? And like kind of how we did, you know, have a kumbaya over the commonalities of what makes North Carolina, North Carolina. That's right. The things that we get about food and the brands, like even the, the video I made about if we're eating a hot dog, what color is it? We know it's red oh, because yeah. that's, that's a universal North Carolina experience that's right i made a post the other day and i said just so y'all know in north carolina slaw is a condiment it is <laughs> as it should be you know? but yeah i mean and there are these things that bring us together and unify us and i feel like if we all focused on them a little bit more this world would be such a better place yeah and that's that melting pot like that's why i say agriculture is our culture it's it's a joint effort it's 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 what makes us us that's right. Amen. Okay. I hate to, but I know that I'm probably going to run out of time here soon. So tell me where all of the listeners can find you. So the best place to find me is I like to hang out over at Instagram. That's North Carolina dot Nicole. Can't miss me. If you want to reach out for me to anything else like collaborating, getting me to come speak at your school or, you know, just come to your farm. If you're a farmer and you heard this and it reached you somehow. Um, best way to find me is at www.nicolenc.com and I have a way to contact me through there and I try to answer uh, messages and emails every day so we'll be in touch Jenny thank you so much for doing this you are so down to earth and so sweet I didn't know what to expect and you were just an absolute pleasure like just no this was fun I'm, I'm definitely excited for this to come out and see how everyone reacts to it. Yay. Okay, Miss Ma'am. Well, you have a good night. Enjoy your dinner. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. We're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I'll be back next Wednesday. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss me. And if you're looking for more content, you can always head over to the blog at www.wherethedogwoodblooms.com. Y'all stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.